0: Welcome to the Colors of Fatherhood podcast. Here, we shine a positive light on fathers of color and seek out their stories of trial and triumph while gaining insight on what it means to raise children in this country we call America. A quote from Dr. Franklin Pittman states, fathering is not something perfect men do, but something that perfects the man. And now, your illustrious host, Lim Gonzalez. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Lim Gonzalez, aka Saint, and this is the Colors of Fatherhood podcast. As you know, we always got a special guest, so tonight's guest is an Emmy Award winner. He is the Director of Creative Engagement for the Bloomingthall Performing Arts and of course, he's an amazing father, all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, my good friend, Blues. What up,
1: Blues? What up, man? I feel like there should be some air horn. Oh, there's the applause. There's the applause. Yes, sir. What's going down? What it is. Hey, I man, how you. are you, bro? You good? Man, I'm
0: good, man. I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic. I want to I want to tell the listeners a quick story. Uh, as I sit here and talk with my good friend, St. And I'm looking into his apartment. I'm remembering the last time that I was there, and the last time that I was there, me and Dasan came for the six feet high and rising tour. And in that very apartment, ladies and gentlemen, Dasan and I ate lamb's lasagna and drug him in Domino's. Just, just so you know, that's a piece of history you're looking at right there.
0: First of all, oh, let me bruh. just say um, that I was a gracious host, and um, you were. Well, I was a gracious host. And I'm going to say that it was supposed to be a spades night. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. And I'm an amazing spades player. Ask anybody. Super duper champion. But we (laughs) didn't have enough people for partners. And so since it was the three of us, I was like, well, let's play dominoes. And I am not the best at dominoes. I can play dominoes, but I would never call myself a champion in that. So, but I just, you know, I wanted you guys to leave winners. Like, that's it.
1: And that's a good thing because here's. Here's how God works in my favor. I'm a terrible Spades player. I am horrible. So had we played Spades that night, I would have never mentioned this ever again in life. I would have been like, yo, there was this one time I was in LA at at Lim's crib and we tried to play Spades and shit got real. They put me out in the street. I'm no longer friends with a lot of people because I can't play spades. But, right. bro, it's so amazing to see your face again and be yeah, engaged with you, bro. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah,
0: man. No, I, I'm glad. Um, you know, when I was uh, looking at constructing the guest list for this podcast, you obviously were at the top of the list. And, you know, we're going to get into it. But I really appreciate What I've seen in your work with what you do through poetry and your other accolades that you have, and just being a beast in Charlotte. But more importantly, what I've seen you do as a father, like on social media, and I see your daughter, you know, she's driving and you're like clutching, you know, the door because you're just like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna survive. But yeah, yeah, man, (laughs) it's really dope. It's really dope. But first question um, I typically ask all my guests is how did your life change when you became a father?
1: Oh man, that is a, that's a great question because I tell a lot of new fathers when they're worried, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Da, 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 da. I'm like, bro, the second your child enters this world and you see them, it clicks. Like for a mm. lot of fathers, it's like, oh, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do now. And granted, it's not like this blueprint plan and you got it all figured out, but this instinctiveness to take care of, to be responsible for, to really want to change your life up for this new human that's your responsibility is instinctive. So for me, my first experience as fatherhood is being a stepfather. So I met mm-hmm. my son when he was eight years old. And okay. for me, it was meeting this little boy at eight. And he did all the eight-year-old boy things that are you're supposed to do when some new dude is dating your mom. You know what I'm saying? He tried me a lot of times. There was a lot of things that he just did. He was testing me to see if I'm going to be around, Right. And I Mm. looked at him as this opportunity to not only show this woman that I'm a responsible man, but to show this young man that there are responsible black men in the world who are going to care for you, whether they are blood or not. And Mm. we went through this thing. It was a little tumultuous, but I was I was there for the long haul. And I think once he realized that the respect came and when the respect came for me, it was my responsibility to hold His respect. His respect was an honor to be given to me, Mm. right? So that's the thing I have to have to be careful with, have to cherish like a gift. Because kids who are not yours don't have to respect you. You know what I'm saying? Mm. They learn you ain't. There's a line in a poem, Joseph. You ain't my daddy. Like you, they can Mm -hmm. say that, and it's a hard truth. Like you're right. I am not your father. But in that sense, you you're realizing that. All right, he says. He respects me. He sees me as a father figure. I need to now step up to that role. So that mm. experience was different than when I had my daughter, who was like my blood. Like this is my creation, and it's a girl. So I'm like, oh my mm. god. There's so many <laughs> hopes and dreams I have for you, and then there's all these fears because I grew up as a boy. You know what I'm saying? Like mm, I know right. what that means. But that whole thing is gripping and life changing because it, it it reminds you of the fragility of life it reminds you of your own mm. mortality like how much time you got left to do some good things in this world and your kids should always right. be a reminder of a good thing you have done and raise them up to be a good thing you know what i'm saying that you that you've been a part of so right. yeah completely life changing but wow. completely
0: that's crazy i want to go back to what you said about your first induction of fatherhood was being a stepfather i want to ask was your son's father biological father in his life
1: no, not not. He was not. I think he showed up for his third birthday. And mm-hmm. that was the last time he could remember ever seeing him. And, wow. and my wife was like, that's the last time that he had physically laid his eyes on him. So wow. no, he wasn't there.
0: So because of that, was there kind of more pressure to make sure because like you said, you wanted to step into this and really show him what a real father should be?
1: Yeah, I didn't want this kid to feel any more kind of abandonment, right? So mm. that was a small part of it. The other part was genuinely wanting to make sure that as a black man, I'm raising him to be a black man, a responsible good citizen of the world yada yada. All those things like all those things mm-hmm. were were encompassed with not wanting him to have more abandonment in his life. And at that age, I don't think he fully understood That his biological was not in his life and or why right because at eight Hmm. you're just it was just him and his mom and his mom had him in everything was had him in sports so there's all these male figures around but there's no one like to show up for the father son kind of thing so she raised him as strong to be independent to know what love is from her side of it but there was always that that piece missing and i didn't want to make that piece bigger even my my father was like listen it's different when you're dating a woman with a child. Are you ready for that? He was asking, like, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, I I think I am. And in that moment, I was, you know, I wanted to, you know, make sure my dad's, you know, you want to pressure dad. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, am I, am I Mm -hmm. really ready for this? That was an honest moment for me. And it was a lot, bro. It was, it was really a lot. It was trying, but It was never a moment where I was like, fuck this. I can't with you. I can't with this kid. There was never that moment. And I attribute that a lot to my father who Mm. had his ups and downs, but he never bailed on us. And I think when you show your kids that you don't bail on them, even if your mother and father don't stick it out, right? Even if that breaks down, Mm -hmm. but you remain in that child's life regardless, I think that builds up inside of them like oh word uh sh- this guy's here forever cuz now my son has a son and that's the first thing he's like mm-hmm. yo I'm I'm going to be there every second that this kid needs me like every every point of the way I'm like wow. bro that's that's the first big step that is the first big step is to never Never leave an opening where that kid has doubt of where you're going, if you're going to be there or not.
0: That's a super poignant because just thinking about my own father, right? And you talk about, you know, ups and downs. And I know that there was times in their marriage, you know, to my mother and they're still married. God is good. 46 years later. Oh wow. Yeah. They're going strong, but I know that they had challenges. We didn't really, as kids, I have four younger siblings. We didn't really see that they didn't display that to us, but I know it was there being the oldest. I know that there were challenges and they explained it later in life that they've had, you know, they're both pastors. So they, over the pulpit, they've talked about, you know, issues that arose. But mm-hmm. the whole point is that they never wanted to separate, and my father specifically never wanted to abandon his children because his dad abandoned him. and mm. so he never wanted that to be a fa- a factor in raising his children and right. also being a husband. So I think that's dope that you know adopting that and then passing that down to your son, where his child you know also feels that, when you talk about your dad, your own father, and you talk about how that works, what did you adopt in raising your child that differs from maybe how you were raised? Or did you adopt the same ways that he did? I think it's a mixed bag. Okay, There are a
1: lot of things. <laughs> it's wild how your dad shows up in you, man. It's like, <laughs> I will tell my son, you can't leave there and get there at the same time. And then I'll be like, damn it. That is my dad all day long. <laughs> and, and and it's it's not intentional, but you realize right. like, oh, these lessons stick. My dad is a really, really cool dude. Like A lot of the reason why I I am kind of a free spirit kind of way is is because my dad didn't put a ton of pressure on me. He was like, yo, I kind of want you to figure some things out for yourself. He said, I will let you fall, but I won't let you stay down there. Like, I will let you make your mistakes. And he's guided me through a lot of, you know, big decisions, but he's just a really honest dude. He will tell me something straight up and down, if it's good or it's bad. And he say, but at the end of the day, you know, you're your own man. You got to make that decision for yourself. I will always be in your corner, which is super, I think is one of the most super important things ever. And those, that's something that I've adopted with my own kids. My daughter, who's now a sophomore in college, went in wanting to do marine biology in film. Mm. And now she's, she's discovered her blackness when she's go to a PWI and, and she's real woke now. Because <laughs> it, I mean, of course, cause you know, there's things in high school that just don't teach us. Right. It's not till you really get out there in the right. world that you learn some stuff about your, about your people. So she's really into her history, but she's super like getting really, really good and fluent in understanding and speaking Chinese and i told her like listen oh really if you're if you get real good at what you do if you finish school or not i don't care that right there is a bag (laughs) when you learn to speak another language enough to translate it and be absolutely be an asset yes like a black woman understanding and speaking chinese and she was like ah i know it's just and she's she's 19 so she's still figuring out the world for herself and around her but i'm like maybe hold on to that because that mm-hmm. is that is invaluable and and I told her like listen I went to school when I dropped out and discovered who I was and went back and finished but you don't have to finish for me <laughs> you know if you want to finish school do it for yourself do it because you want to mm. but if there's something out there that's driving you that's that's pushing your passion you've got to follow it you have to follow it because what I don't want you to do is be 30 something 40 something years old and have some regret about a chance you didn't take you know and that's something that my father was like, listen, right, live your life, take the chances you want, dream as big as you want. Here's where his practicality came in. But when you have responsibilities, you take care of your responsibilities. And that's something he's always shown me, uh, just mm. being a hardworking dude and, and being where he was supposed to be. But yeah, he's like, dream as right. big as you want. But when you have a family, you make sure that they're the focus. So those are like some of the things that I definitely mm-hmm. adopted from him and he was a good dad. So there's nothing that, that I didn't take negatively. Like even, even when I got whoopings, I was like, I had, when I think about mm-hmm. it, I'm like, yeah, I had, I had that one coming, I had that one coming but it wasn't, it wasn't
0: it, <laughs> I deserve yeah, that.
1: Yeah, it. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was beating the crap out of me. It was a genuine, you know, he got a belt and mm-hmm. hit me three times and or the worst. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, the worst was when he didn't hit me at all. When he would just tell me how disappointed he was oh
0: was like, oh don't give the disappointment bro. speech oh that is oh. the
1: worst i'm like yes i'm, I'm so i failed you <laughs> like because you know the physical thing <laughs> is just an is just an exertion of anger right like ah in this moment i'm sure. gonna discipline you right here because that's what you need but when he's like i've mm-hmm. thought about this i thought about what you've done i have mm-hmm. thought about your character in this moment and i am not happy i'm so disappointed and you're just like, oh my god, bro, that that punishment, that kind of discipline, oh my god. That's the worst. Yeah. The absolute worst. For for me, that no, was
0: absolutely no, I'm right there with you, bro. I I just I remember that.
1: Yeah. Dads are the best at that. My mom my mom did it a couple times. I'm like, mom, you just love me too much. You know what I'm saying? Moms you, you, you find a soft spot <laughs> with your mom. Because right. you know, it's always fathers raise their sons and, and mothers love their sons. Whatever it goes, but you know, but my, you know, yeah. I, I still, I, I still feel that with my mother though. Like for sure, if she were ever to say like I was disappointed in something you did, I, I felt it. But it just, it hit different with my dad. It hit way different when my dad, yeah, my dad right? said
0: it. I totally am with you on that. I remember so I was the type of person, and maybe this is why I became a poet later because I was like, I would have these speeches, you know, for my parents when they <laughs> when it was discipline time, you know, and I would just be like all right, let me just give my case, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? And uh, let me let you know why you shouldn't discipline me because number one, I've learned my lesson. Uh, Number two, I will make sure I do community service to so others don't, you know what I'm saying? Like I had it all laid out. And so uh, sometimes it would work, but most of the time it didn't, you know, it was (laughs) just like, nah, bro. Um, But that disappointment factor is key. And like you said, when my dad said it, it hit differently than when my mom said it. It was just like, yo, I didn't want to disappoint my father. You know what I'm saying? Because I saw, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest. And so, and he's my dad and I enjoyed the times that we spent. He would take me fishing and stuff like that. And those were just key moments that I really cherish. And to disappoint that man for something I did wrong is just like, You know, and it was usually when he told me not to do it specifically, and then I did it anyway. Yes. And that was the times that I was just like, oh, you!" he's like, I told you. Yeah. Like, I was explicit, and I told you not to, and you did it anyway, so therefore, I am hurt. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, not my dad. (laughs) Like, you know? Like, no. So, it's just like kryptonite to a superhero. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah, bro. I, I feel that. I feel that. But yeah, man, it's 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 a different it's a different situation. For sure, it's definitely a different situation. How would you categorize? Since you have both a son and a daughter, how would you categorize the difference in
1: raising them? And uh, people have, have asked me that, and I've always heard it's harder raising a daughter, and I think as a man, it sort of is. Because we instinctively get this machismo, misogynistic, I got to protect her from every boy in the world. I got to, this is my daughter. No one else can touch her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do, we do all those things, right? It's, a lot of it is mm-hmm. just facade, right? It's just, we're just putting on airs. There's a part of where we care and don't. we just don't want them hurt. Like, we don't want their feelings hurt. We don't mm-hmm. want them physically hurt. We're not to the point where I'm going to go out and pull a gun on a young man because he's knocking on my door. That's, that's the sh- stuff we say, right? For me, my daughter, my, my oldest, has been the most easygoing person, I think, in the world. I worry about all my children equally, like genuinely. Mm-hmm. But I think raising my son has been harder because he he is a, a young black male and he's, he's running into trouble here and there. He's in his 20s now and he's sometimes very angry you know you don't stop raising mm. your kids after they're 18 right you continue to right. to be a part of their lives right he's understanding and seeing this world how it can be against him he there there is a constant fear that he will be a target for someone not just police but you know mm-hmm. excuse my language but niggas will be niggas and mm. that is a thing that you constantly worry about so raising him to be the best person he can has been easy but just Worrying and trying to be around him and in his life and his ear at all times becomes a real chore. It's sort of the same for my daughter, but the worries are different. I, I'm scared that she's at college and someone's going to try to slip her a date rape pill. I, I'm scared that she's, mm-hmm. you know, she gets off work at, at a late time and, and she's safe going from work to her dorm. It's those kinds of is this woman safe kind of feeling? But as a person, she's she's so level headed, well balanced sees the world in a a wide perspective that that it's very different how my son sees it and they grew up in the Mm -hmm. same house which is still baffling Mm. you know it's very baffling but i think because my son has experienced some things that she has not and vice versa you know she went away to school he didn't it's all these things so for me i think they're kind of the same Uh, again I, i would lean more towards it was harder raising my son and now that my grandson is kind of running around my house he's hella rambunctious like yo this kid is <laughs> everywhere and i don't know if it's because i'm a little older that it's hard to keep up with him mm-hmm. or he's just that level of beast mode and <laughs> when i think <laughs> i think it is a ladder because the kid is he's yo when do kids get strong bro like this kid <laughs> is strong he's almost he'll be two in like two weeks And this kid is just strong and I'm glad for it. Like that's, that's a healthy boy, Yeah. but also like, yo, stop pulling stuff down. Stop pulling stuff over. Stop moving (laughs) furniture around, bro. Who are you? It's now watching this, this young, this young little black boy in my house, two years old, and being in his life at this, like very constantly because they're living with us. So I'm there a lot. And I'm remembering like, oh, my youngest daughter had sort of this energy. But this, is, this, this kid is mm-hmm. really ramped up. My middle daughter was very calm. So I, I, I lean more towards boys are, are a little bit harder to raise. Girls, girls, you just have to pay attention. That's what I'll say. Girls, you got to pay attention. Because you think, oh, she's a girl. She's just going to do girl stuff and be, be safe and not do this thing. And you be like, mm-hmm. man, listen. I've learned that some girls are worse than boys. And, you know, I feel like with a boy, when he's out there wilding, he's, he's just doing what he's going to do. And there's a lot more physicality to it. Like, you know, son is going to try his father one day. That's sort of in, in every story. It's not like this real, they went to fisticuffs, but it was definitely like, yo, who you bucking up at kind of thing, you know? And I think yeah. with daughters, it's more emotional rebellion. It's more actional rebellion. Like, oh... I'm going to wear this and it's an argument. So it's very mm-hmm. mental kind of thing. So yeah, bro. Interesting. It, it's, there's so many takes on it, man. There's so many takes on it. I, I don't have a real answer. I went through a lot.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you gave me an answer though. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think it's interesting that you say, um, you know, boys are more difficult because, and I've heard both sides, right? But I've heard, I feel like I've heard more people say that, Uh, daughters are more difficult and then boys are easier, but obviously it's perspective, right? Right. I think a lot of it is how you choose to raise your children and then probably also how you've been raised and conditioned Mm -hmm. in what a father is supposed to be. So I think it's dope that you can have different perspectives of raising the children. Obviously common goal is to have a good kid, right? And raise them the right way. Um, So that way they end up, you know, being amazing. So, but yeah, I I think that's super interesting. You talked about your son being a black boy in this, you know, society, in this country and how, you know, he has had challenges. How important do you think race is when it comes to raising your child and integrating that?
1: It's super important. This country and past administration won't allow us to not deal with race. Like it is the way Mm. the police treat us, the way economics treat us, the way, our own politicians, the list goes on and on of how we are are treated. So you cannot not talk about race, right? And for me, it's sort of embedded in the house, right? The things we do are inherently Black. The way we talk about things are inherently Black. And we move through Blackness like that. So race always popped up. And our kids would have questions, we'd answer the questions. But it became real prevalent to me when my daughter went to, went off to school. So she goes to a, a predominantly PWI in a very Republican town.
0: To stop you right there, what does, so everyone that may not know, what does
1: PWI mean? Predominantly white institution. Got it. Right. So you have your HBCUs, you got your mm-hmm. PWIs. She's at this school and her roommate is white and they got along so much the first semester that their roommates again. So she knows how to be herself. She knows how to build rapport with other folks of other nationalities. Because when she, when she was in high school, her friends looked like everything, you know? She was the Benetton bag of, of friends. Like she had everybody, you know, just was her friend. Her very best friend who, who died at 14 was Colombian. Um, and there was a very just different background. So she gets to school and in high school, they didn't really do black history like that. So of course she gets to school and it's on and popping. My first phone call, she's in Wilmington, North Carolina. And if you're familiar with Wilmington, much like Tulsa, much like uh, Rosewood, Wilmington was set ablaze. Wilmington had race riots because of wealthy black folks, when white folks did not like that. So mm-hmm. Wilmington has its own very, very tragic history of dealing with white people who are angry at successful black people. Wilmington on Fire is a documentary that is out and, you know, shameless plug, I have a song that's on the soundtrack for that movie. It's this place, and it's, it's a beautiful city, right? You can see the things that are separated with race and class and, and all these things. So she's there, right? And she, her roommates are white again, and she's just there. But when she gets mm-hmm. there, her whole black history world is opened wide up because, you know, it's college. So now it's all about a place of learning. And I remember the first phone call I got, and she was like, "Dad, did you know that they rioted here in Wilmington and killed a bunch of black people for their pop?" I was like, "Yeah, but I, I know. Remember, I told you about the movie." She's like, "Oh, that's here." I'm like, "Come on, babe. You, you know." I mean? But I, I let her talk, right? It, and this is this is the parenting moments where you say you let them discover. You know all the things, right? Right. Everything they're telling you. You know, because, of course, you're a parent and you've got all this information already. But you let them discover at their own pace. You reaffirm and confirm the things that they're saying. And then you ask them. For me, I was like, well, how do you feel about that? You know, what what would you do to change things? And, you know, she has a bunch of ideas, a bunch of things she wants to do. And I think this is one of those conversations Mm -hmm. where, where young people want to lead the way. And sometimes older folks got to get out of the way so they can do their thing. For me, it was, it was that moment. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be right here in background. You tell me what you want to do and how you want to do it. And so she discovered so, so much. Even when pandemic hit and she came home for a while, I took her to a protest march. I took her to two. I took her to one in the day that was led by the Black Lives Matter group and some other folks. Super peaceful. Thousands of people in the street. Really organized. Boom, 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 boom. And then I told her, I'm going to take you to one at night just so you know the difference. Because in my head, I want her prepared for all of this, right? I want her ready. The idea is I want her to understand what it is to be in a mm. protest uh, at night, and I want her to recognize the dangers. I want her to recognize the actions, the energies. Of it. I need you to be aware of all of this because you are 19 And one day you're going to go to a protest without me in another city. And I need you to know what to do. And Hmm. for Charlotte, and we made the news a couple of times with uh, kettling, when this was the night that this kettling happened. So for those who are unaware, kettling is when SWAT will block off a street and then block off another street. They call it kettling. I call it corralling. They had the protesters boxed in and were pepper spraying them and flash banging them inside. Yeah, there was, there's a lawsuit, bro. It was it was terrible and we watched it unfold the police say they did didn't do it lying so anyway i wanted her to see all this and as we're marching and the night began police let off flashbangs hmm. and i told her what happens is right. people are going to run and panic because they're not used to this don't run find yourself a safe spot and wait because when you run you don't unless you know where you're running to and who you're running with don't run randomly cuz you're going to fall and get hurt Like three people fell because they didn't know where they're going. I told us like, listen, there's a tree here. There's the side of a building here. You pick one and you go there and and you communicate with your people how you're going to move when this happens so that you all can meet up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when the flashbangs went off, the people ran. My baby got behind a tree. She stayed still. She watched people move. And I was like, when it's time to walk, you walk. You cover your face if you see smoke and you just move away from the police. Just move away from the action. Don't move towards it because they're playing by their own rules, right? And whatever happens to you is going to happen to you, and they'll figure out the rest for themselves in court. But anyway, but whatever, you're stuck, whether they've shot you, whether they put you, you're stuck in that position. So it was teaching her all of these things about how to move with her Blackness, with her activism, with her passion, um, that all becomes a talk about race, that all becomes this encompassing conversation about race and not just the small mm-hmm. parts. Cause even there's the, there's the small parts just in her room. She's like, sometimes these white girls be getting on my nerves <laughs> and I'd be like, you know, you know, I was like, you know, mm-hmm. but that's, that's who they are. And it's nothing necessarily malicious on their part. You got to think how I'm raising you. That might be how they were raised. And if it's nothing overtly racist, it's just their ways, you know, you gotta be like, all right, that's just how she moves. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me go for a walk. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, um, you gotta learn how to accept people for who they are and how they're raised, and then try to have a conversation that grows sure. both of you. Oh yeah. But it's nothing. It's and it's all been just not even super racist. It's just been typical roommate stuff, like you know, put your shoes away, or you know, in a in a sometimes a black household things are done different than in a white household, and that's not necessarily a race thing. It's just two cultures that were just very different. Yeah. So for her, it's been Mm -hmm. the balance, but, but my son, he's been in the system and he sees the world way different. Now he sees the world way different. And that's, that's a whole nother beast of a conversation, right? Yeah. So culturally we're different and there's nothing wrong with that because that's what makes life beautiful, right? People just being different and you get to experience those differences, good or bad, but it, it, it helps shape you, you know, in, in, in a smaller sort of very first world kind of way those are some of her problems just roommate problems that that sort of boil down to how each household raised their child she had made, she had one issue and she really won't tell me about it this is what I'm also finding out about my daughter i uh, saying she might be a bit of an OG like mean girl cuz she was like <laughs> she was like this white boy got kind of one more time <laughs> to not talk to you. I think he was, he was, you know, sort of appropriating oh, hip-hop language in it. a way when he talks to her, right? Mm-hmm. So she, she's Specifically. Like, Specifically. He's like, I've seen him talk to other people. When he talks to me, it's something they write it's just, I forgot. She's like, something that don't sit right with me. That's what she said. Something that don't sit got right it. with me. And I was like, well, you know, don't, don't put hands on me. like, I, I don't know if I want to put hands on him yet. I said, not even yet. Like he just <laughs> said, yet. <laughs> just, just, just check him. Just check him. He's like, yo, you don't have to talk to me like that. She's like, yeah, right. But I kind of want, like, she was like, I kind of want to let off on him a little bit. And I'm like, well, you gotta figure out how to do it respectfully, and just make sure the clap back is is, is respectful and and Don't right. you know, anything physical because I don't want to have to come down there. Like <laughs> I, if I come down there, it's, it's going to be a problem. That's how she's handling race and, and all those things in that in that situation mm-hmm. but my son who who's who's had his his dealing with the law is raising a, a black boy and being a black man himself and, and dealing with these institutions and he's a very smart young man super passionate and he's just you know at 20 something he's angry as a black man we've all been 20 something and angry at the system for not <laughs> appreciating or respecting who we are in our skin. Mm -hmm. He actually goes and talks to a friend of mine, you know, every Tuesday, just black man to black man, because there are things that as a father are just going to wash over him that I could say all Mm -hmm. day long and he's just not going to receive it because I'm his dad. Right. And we've all been there. Like your parents tell you one thing and it's, it's the gospel. But (laughs) But we don't listen. But when our friends say it, it's like, oh, right. bro, you're talking that truth. Like, you are wise. You are so wise. <laughs> you are so wise. <laughs> like, oh, I just told you that. <laughs> right. So, these are gentlemen that I respect that we've all sat around and had really building conversations. So I'm comfortable with him talking to, to another man mm-hmm. uh, about the problems that he has. And then when he needs to come to me, he knows that. But it's good to have just different perspectives bouncing off because. Right. because this this black man's going to give him a very objective answer that doesn't come from any place of being his father or being mm-hmm. grounded in sort of love it's just a I'm going to give you a straight up answer so right. that in terms of race with him it's it's different and, and I think that goes back again to raising a daughter and a son it's very it's very different one can be harder than the other i guess depending on perspective and, and how things are going so mm-hmm. yeah man race is, is super important and out of all of it my youngest who's 12 is a sp- sponge and smart and witty and to hear her talk at 12 she sounds like a 19 year old 20 year old with some of the things she says it's snarky and on point and a little out of pocket for a 12 year old but it's there Mm -hmm. and I'm most of the time I'm like I'm trying not to laugh because she'll say something like she'll be like well that's a very white thing to do and I'm like uh, yeah, it was. It, I. I. And I'm like, it kind of was, but you don't need to be saying that. You know, you just you need to see the world as it is. But then I have to remind myself I and mean, be like, you know what? These kids are growing up way different than we did, and mm-hmm. they're, they're smarter, faster, stronger. So what I need to do is adapt to how fast she's learning and right. how, her maturity level. So. You know, I, I think that's uh, one of the biggest difference in in raising kids now. Yeah, I'm a I'm a kid born in the 70s, raised in the 80s, kind of got my my run in the 90s. So I, there's this mm-hmm. era of freshness up into this new technology that we're living in. That mm-hmm. I'm still grounded in this old school kind of way of thinking of respectability, but in this new school of things change fast. And she's way up here, and I just need to keep myself grounded in how I'm raising her, but also recognize that she she's really smart and really fast with it. So yeah, man, there's, there's three, three kids in, in, in three different kinds of time uh, age zones. It's really crazy. Right. So
0: lastly, I just want to know what advice um, would you give to, let's say a new father or someone, a father to be, um, you know, based on all of the experiences you've had in raising your three children,
1: um, what advice would you give them? It's a great question. This is going to be one of my uh, posts I was supposed to do like a while ago. There's one thing that a father has to do, not let the kid die. That's all you got to do is just keep the child alive, bro. That's that's the only thing that you need to focus on first and foremost. When you wake up, make sure that kid is alive. And then once you know that they're alive, how do I keep them alive? All right. I got to feed them. I got to put clothes on her. I got to feed her again. Oh. I got to change her. I got to make sure she stays alive. I got to make sure he stays alive. I, and that's that's really my biggest advice. Like everything else comes as it comes. Uh, mm. In your child's life, you will be hero or monster. And there will be days you have to choose to be a monster in their lives. Because that's the thing, again, that will keep them alive. Mm. Being a hero will always keep them alive. But sometimes you have to be a villain in their eyes, a, a villain for the day to keep them alive, to tell them no. Again, all your, your only job is to keep them alive. And keeping them alive also means making sure they're a decent human being. So they're not out there doing God knows what, you know, putting themselves in danger from not being a decent human being, putting other human beings in danger. Like make sure that they're just raised to be really good people and keep them alive. If you do that part, everything else will work out. I, I,
0: everything else will work out. Yeah, <laughs> make sure they stay alive.
1: They stay alive, <laughs> because that, I mean, because there's, there. Listen, there's gonna be a time. Speaking from experience, that you're gonna be heavy into your PlayStation or or your Xbox, and your three year old, two year old, you're you're responsible for them that day. They get quiet uh-huh. in the house, <laughs> like there's no more noise, or you got to stop, you got to hit pause, and go make sure that they're still alive. For me. I was knee deep in Halo, and my daughter at the time was two or three, and it was quiet. And I'm mm-hmm. like, "No nah, hell!" So I get up and I'm going through the house looking for this girl. At this point, I'm panicking because she's supposed to be in the house, like, mm-hmm. and I don't see you in the house. I'm like, "Oh God, <laughs> where is she?" I find her in my closet covered in baby powder i'm like bro what are you doing <laughs> uh she got into the cabinet that's um, in the bathroom and just had mm-hmm. powder everywhere and i'm everywhere. like ah, but you're alive so <laughs> <But> you're alive. <laughs> let me clean you up before your mother comes home and then i'm not alive <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. so
0: right yeah so
1: it's it's those little things y'all it's the little things just make sure your kid stays alive pay attention, keep your head on a swivel, and don't be afraid to have fun. Fathers, don't be afraid to to try and do hair, especially black fathers. Try to do Mm. black girl hair and you'll get an appreciation of what it is for a black woman's hair. I promise you. God, I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) Facts.
0: Man, thank you so much, Blues. Shout out to Blues in the building virtually. I appreciate you, bro. Um, Let the people know where they can find you if they want to follow you um, and just keep up with what you got going on.
1: You can follow me on Instagram, B-L-U-Z, 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 Blues, 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 um, as well as on Twitter, I'm Mr. Blues. And don't judge me, I'm on TikTok too, and <laughs> uh, hey. as, as, as well as Blues, Blues, Blues. And listen, I just got on TikTok because I wanted to put the, uh, this video I had for uh, Michelle Obama. So this Like the only other real reason, because I was on TikTok before, and Mm -hmm. I had zero followers, and Mm I put up like I put up like these, you know, when you put up a post or a a poem or something, like this is amazing, this is about to be like hundreds of followers, and I had zero likes or anything like that. And the thing was, I told my daughters who are both on TikTok that I'm on TikTok. Do you think they followed me? (laughs) Hell no, no, they didn't. Of course not. Of course not. I'm like, yo, I'm on TikTok. And they were like, they were doing the whole like, I hear you, but I don't hear you kind of thing. I'm like, come on, oh, man. man. I'm like, so you're not going to follow me? They were like, what's your, they asked me, what's my handle? I told them, they were like, all right, still ain't following me. I'm like, all right, you know what? Y'all going to be needing something from me one day. And i am be like, all right, you like eating? How's that? <laughs> you, like you like nourishment? <laughs> you like nourishment? How about clothes? You better offer a follow on TikTok. <laughs> So oh, man. I'm definitely on TikTok. If you, if you partake in TikTok, make sure you follow me on there. Um, but uh, indeed, uh, follow me on Instagram. I got some uh, really cool things about to come out. For those folks who live in Charlotte, Blumenthal, we're about to do some really amazing things. Uh, community engagement, some fundraising stuff, getting, getting folks back outside and getting some artists back to work. That's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing about my job is the, the things I'm able to offer now all come with a check. And I love it. Nice. I love it. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. And, hey, man, thank you for doing this. This is an amazing platform, an amazing idea, uh, another chance for fathers to really have this conversation and talk about the things we don't often get to talk about. It's hard sometimes to do this and not ask for help or not seem mm-hmm. like we need help because, you know, as black men, we're just supposed to know it all do it all and be good at it and and suffer through it if we're suffering so man continue doing this good work continue uplifting these new fathers these old school fathers all of us because we need it and brother I I got your back all day long all day long
0: I appreciate you man I appreciate you man thank you so much Uh, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in again this is Lim Gonzalez, aka Saint and until we speak again God bless and take care Colors of Fatherhood is produced by Josh Rodriguez and St. Lee Productions. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share with all your family and friends. Please remember to follow us on social media at Stay on the Mic and at Colors of Fatherhood. And for all your booking needs, please visit www.stayonthemic.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next episode.